You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Buckeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Tuesday, November the 17th, the year 2020. And like I mentioned yesterday, today we have a guest with us that'll help us get up to date and help us get very familiar with what's going on around the Big Ten at the halfway point in the season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Locked on. Buckeye. That is correct. Today we have Big Ten Ben, as I call him. Uh, His real name is Ben Stevens, host of Locked On Big Ten, coming on and helping us get used to, get acquainted with what is going on around the Big Ten at the halfway point in the season. It's me and him the rest of the way. I do flip it around to him at the halfway point in the season, or halfway point in our conversation, excuse me, to allow him to ask me some questions, because I'm sure Ben and I only talk once every now and then. He may ask some questions for me in regards to the Buckeyes, and I have no problem flipping the tables, doing a quick 180, and allowing Ben to become the host and me to become the guest or the person being interviewed. So I'm going to back away, bring Ben in, and just sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation as Big Ten Ben helps us get up to date and very familiar with what's going on around the Big Ten during the football season. And joining us once again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a gentleman that we've had on earlier before the season, I believe, week one, kind of helping us get around the Big Ten. And now he's back again, midway part of the season. Ben, it's welcome back. But Ben, also, it's been a sprint. These first four games have gone very, very fast. Welcome back. And I'm sure you've kind of had a lot to digest taking in all the Big Ten action so far. Jay, it's a pleasure to be back on the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, and it's nice to be the pulse of the Big Ten Conference, to go around the league and provide that perspective for Ohio State fans who right now are thinking, I'm seeing all this play out. We just sat down one week, and Indiana's now at first place in the Big Ten East. Northwestern's undefeated on the other side. What is happening in the Big Ten Conference? It has been a sprint through these first four weeks, some intriguing storylines that have developed, and four glorious weeks of Big Ten football to end out the regular season as well. I'm ready to buckle in, strap up, and get excited for these final four weeks because it's going to be a great home stretch of Big Ten football. Exactly. A great home stretch, a great sprint. Like I say, normally the season, I view it as a marathon because you go from Labor Day until right after Thanksgiving. It's a long, grueling process of games, practice, interviews, media, all that stuff. Now you're four games in. And if you messed up early on, like a Penn State um, or some other teams that weren't playing up to par, you have no shot. Forget forget going to the playoff. Forget the Big Ten Championship. You're trying to be able to at least play a decent team so you're not playing seven versus seven championship week. You're playing four versus four, five versus five. Based off what you have seen, Ben, so far in the Big Ten, and I don't care how long it go, what have you seen that you liked? What have you seen that you haven't liked so far in the Big Ten season? Well, what I've liked a lot is the competitiveness we've seen from the jump from these guys that have realized, all right, we're in Big Ten season from the very start of it. And you've seen that with the likes of Wisconsin, who's even sat out two weeks, but has looked incredibly impressive in both of their performances against Illinois and against Michigan. I have loved to see kind of the underdogs rise back up. I thought Northwestern was going to have a bounce back here. What happened in 2019 in Evanston, Illinois, more of an aberration from what we've seen during Pat Fitzgerald's tenure at the helm of Northwestern football. And the Wildcats have come out in 2020 and have looked 
as good as they have in a couple of years. That defense is stout. That offense has been efficient with Peyton Ramsey. It's been exciting to see what they've put up in the West Division. And then on the other side, how can you not root for Indiana right now? 4-0, unbeaten, ranked ninth in the country, and really looking impressive. Not fluky wins, but looking impressive in the games that they've needed to win. Of course, the overtime thriller against Penn State in week one, taking care of Michigan in week number three, looking good against Michigan State in week number four. That defense has given me a lot to be excited about in the real credibility of what IU has brought to this Big Ten football season. First in the country in takeaways per game for teams that have played at least twice so far this season. 51 points off 12 takeaways so far for Indiana. They look as good as they have in many years. And what Tom Allen is building in Bloomington is very exciting for the entire Big Ten Conference. And then on the other side, you look at teams that have really not lived up to that expectation. Of course, Penn State being the only winless team in the Big Ten Conference is shocking. Michigan, who came out and looked so good in week number one, has really come back down to earth three straight losses. And now Jim Harbaugh's seat is as hot as it's been in at least five years, probably during his entire time in Ann Arbor. So some of the teams that you expected to be up there have come back down to earth and some of the teams that we didn't really have on the radar but thought oh they could have a promising big 10 2020 season have really risen to that level of expectation and what we've seen out of indiana and northwestern has been very exciting and sets up what i am coining showdown saturday in the big 10 week number five because you have the ohio state indiana game for the big 10 east and then you have northwestern and wisconsin for the big 10 west what a saturday it will be and a great start to that latter half of big 10 football Absolutely. And I'm not going to go much further. You mentioned Indiana a few times, but you didn't mention one guy that's on the team by the name of Michael Penix Jr. And Ben, I know you're the president of some fan club. I believe I it's Penix for Heisman or something along those lines. Could you, exactly explain, could you please explain the campaign, what you have going on and why you are the head man and the main voice for this young man? So, Jay, after the Big Ten reinstated their season on September 16th, in the full excitement that I was feeling after we knew we would have Big Ten football back in our lives, we were doing some shows on the Locked On Big Ten podcast and highlighting some guys that could take a huge step this year, maybe some breakout stars in the Big Ten conference. And one of those guys that I chose to highlight was Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Indiana. And then kind of from there, the excitement just built in my voice, and I was like, you know what? He's a dark horse candidate for Heisman. I am the president and founder now of the Michael Penix Jr. for Heisman fan club, and he has looked very good throughout most of this Big Ten season. It might not be the Heisman campaign that we're seeing out of Justin Fields with Ohio State, but he has really taken that Indiana offense and used his explosive weapons on the outside. You look at a guy like Ty Freifogel, who just had 200 yards receiving against Michigan State this past Saturday, becoming one of the best receivers in all the Big Ten. Watt Fillier, who's been there and has been outstanding, so athletic, and can do so many things for that IU offense. Their tight end Peyton Hendershot, and really sets things up in the backfield for Stevie Scott. Michael Penix Jr. in his strong left arm is really the orchestrator of that entire offense. So, it has been good at times. Is it really going to be that dark horse Heisman candidate we hope for? I don't know if the stats are leading to that, but the national recognition that comes with being the quarterback for number nine, Indiana, has certainly allowed the Heisman fan club campaign to build up a little bit in the eyes of the Big Ten Conference. So I am very excited by what I've seen out of IU's offense. It's continuing to trend that way. They've been so good in the red zone so far this season, Jay. In the first two drives through that Michigan State game, they were 18 for 18 in red zone drives with 14 touchdowns and four field goals. Kind of slowed down in that second half against Michigan State and Tom Allen even said our offense was not really great today but our defense controlled the pace so that allowed us to pitch that shutout and win 24 nothing the offense if they have any hope against the Ohio State Buckeyes needs to take a huge step into this next week but with Michael Penix Jr. at the quarterback position they have the ability to do so do you ever feel like you're always on what do you do when you need a moment to chill these days everything is go 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 it's non-stop hustle all the time work friends, family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation 
to be on 24-7. Well, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Watching football is therapeutic defense. It is uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's go to the Big Ten West. You've mentioned Wisconsin. You mentioned Northwestern. What kind of firepower or kind of battle could we possibly see during that matchup this coming weekend? I think we're going to see a good one. This series history might not be what a lot of Big Ten fans who are not tuned into the programs of Northwestern or Wisconsin would expect. And you see the likes of Wisconsin at the upper echelon of the Big Ten Conference. And you see Northwestern, who has been a good team through most of the 2010 decade, but not quite there on the national level, at least with the brand recognition you would think for the Badgers football program. But the last six times this game has been played in Evanston, Illinois, as it will be this upcoming Saturday, Northwestern is 5-1 and one against Wisconsin. Northwestern is a pesky team, a thorn in the side of a lot of Big Ten programs, especially in the West Division, but especially for those Wisconsin Badgers. This is the first top 20 matchup between these two programs since 1962. Oh, wow. I expect one of the most classic Big Ten games you could ever see. It's going to be a lot about defense. It's going to be a lot about trying to control the line of scrimmage. It's going to be about time of possession. It's going to be about that running game. It could be ugly. It could be low scoring, but it will be about as Big Ten football as Big Ten football gets and really decides the fate of the Big Ten West Conference. Northwestern sits in first place right now. They are the top of that division at 4-0. Wisconsin still unbeaten 2-0, but of course, due to the COVID-19 outbreak within their program, they were shut down for two weeks. Regardless of the fact that it stands right now, Wisconsin has played less than two games. If the Badgers go into Evanston, Illinois on Saturday and come out victorious due to the head-to-head tiebreaker in the Big Ten Conference rules, Wisconsin now would be the team to go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. So that is very compelling for what we see on Saturday. It's really showdown Saturday because these two games on the west side with Northwestern and Wisconsin, of course, on the east with Ohio State and Indiana, truly decides the fate of these races in the divisions. And that game against Wisconsin and Northwestern will be one that Big Ten fans will recognize as they say, all right, a lot of eye formation, a lot of under center, trying to establish the run, trying to exert our physical dominance on both sides of the football. It's going to be a very fun game in Evanston on Saturday, a game I expect to be very, very close throughout the entirety of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Now let's stick on the big, go back to the big 10 East. I don't want to say so much about the team that I cover the Buckeyes, but I want to see from your standpoint, Indiana, Ohio state, what are you expecting on Saturday? So Jay, after all the action was done on Saturday night, after Michigan got absolutely trounced by Wisconsin, I did a quick reaction. Here's three thoughts to the midway point of the big 10 football season. Right. And the third point I made, because I still think it needs to be said is Ohio state has been so good this year that it's expected. You haven't really been singing their praises like the likes of an Indiana or Northwestern or even Wisconsin at times, Ohio state has done exactly what we have expected them to do. And now with the idle week, they did not expect in week four, kind of maybe not in the, 
top of mind of a lot of Big Ten fans, but it still needs to be repeated that Ohio State is a peg above everybody else in the Big Ten Conference right now. And you see Vegas even feels the same way. The opening line against IU for the Saturday, Ohio State is a 21-point favorite. So you still know that Ohio State, regardless of the fact they're in a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten Conference, still a 21-point favorite. That shows the confidence that Ohio State has. That shows the recognition they have on a national landscape. And that goes to show just how good Ohio State still is. Justin Fields has been masterful. After the best year a quarterback has ever had in the Big Ten Conference in 2019, the only quarterback ever to throw for 40 touchdowns in a single season and run for 10, he might be even better this year in 2020. Of course, the stat has been shown as many incompletions as he has touchdowns, 11 of both, but Justin Fields leading the country in completion percentage at 86.7%. He has been absolutely masterful. Jay, if you've mentioned to me, and I think one of the great insights into Justin Fields' psyche heading into the 2020 season, he's been incredibly vocal in those quarterback meetings, wanting to understand why the plays that are being called are called, how they set up for this certain scenario. You have seen him take control of that offense, both on and off the field. And Ohio State is still a wagon and still the best team in the Big Ten. And right now, in my mind, the national title front runner, because I love what I see out of that offense, which is so explosive, but also the defense has been tuned in this year. And I expect the same for Ohio State heading into these last four weeks of the Big Ten football season. Let's do the not so good from a couple coaches. I'm trying to keep it as light as possible. Jim Harbaugh, Buckeye fans will love going talking about this one, but then also James Franklin. Two guys, they are at two prestigious programs, two programs that, well, Penn State was great at one point, haven't really got back to that Joe Pa uh, era, but that's also very hard based off what he did. Even in his latter, latter years coaching, he wasn't the guy that he used to be as a, the program wasn't the same. Harbaugh trying to get Michigan back to what Lloyd Carr was, not Brady Hoke or Rich Rod, trying to get back to that Lloyd, Lloyd Carr era. It's hard, very, very hard. What we're seeing from Michigan and Penn State, very unpredictable and something that I don't even think Buckeye fans expected to see from the Wolverines this year. From your standpoint, how, how are you evaluating the play from both of those schools? And also, do you think either of them will get fired at the end or even during the season? Let's start with Penn State because I don't think James Franklin's job is in jeopardy. However, outside of the results they've put on the football field in this Big Ten year, some of the results they're seeing in the recruiting trails, not great either for the future of that Penn State program. But as we know, they lost a lot heading back into this year. Two big opt-outs, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Michael Parsons opting out of this year has really showed, although the defense for Penn State hasn't been terrible. It just hasn't been to the level that we expect out of the Nittany Lions year in and year out. But on that offensive side of the ball, the run game looks lost, and I think that's a lot to do with Jerry. Ernie Brown having to medically retire. We wish him the best, but that was a huge hit for that Penn State running back room. We have seen Sean Clifford look terrible. Will Levis had to fill in on Saturday because Sean Clifford has regressed to the point. I mean, the wide receiver position was going to be a question for Penn State all this year. And Jahan Dotson has come out and looked like one of the top three receivers in the Big Ten. But they still have a talent that a lot of other teams would hope for in Penn State. And they have Pat Fryermuth, one of the best tight ends in the entire conference. And somehow that offense just looks lost. New offensive coordinator, Kirk Chiraka, coming from Minnesota, hasn't really been able to find the scheme in the way that he needs to in the intricacies, there we go, of the way that he's trying to run this offense. And it's looked lost. Will Levis taking over. Sean Clifford now seems like he might be done for the year because he just hasn't provided any spark for that offense. I don't think James Franklin, again, his job is not in jeopardy, but what we're seeing out of Penn State has been shocking. And now, you talked about it at the start of this interview, Jay. What is the motivation for a Penn State team that has started 0-4, that had such high hopes heading into this year, being a top 10 preseason-ranked team in the AP poll, to have that idea of maybe contending with Ohio State for the Big Ten East? Even if they lost in that week number two showdown against the Buckeyes, could they still be a part of the conversation surrounding the college football playoff later in the year? 
Now, all of that is gone. They are the only winless team in the Big Ten Conference. Things are not looking good right now in Happy Valley, and I don't know what the motivation and what that inspiration will be for them for the final four weeks of Big Ten football. Now we look at Michigan, who came out in that first week and looked so good against Minnesota, but as we know, I think that says more about Minnesota and their yes. defense and where it stands than it did about Michigan. But that being said, that Michigan offense in week number one seemed to be what they had been teasing all along since Josh Gaddis became the OC in Ann Arbor. Speed and space, taking advantage of your highly talented players and having them look the best they can in their game, using their skill set to the best of their ability. We saw it with Joe Milton. We saw it with some of those running backs and Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet. We saw Ronnie Bell get involved in the pass game. Everything seemed, although they were taking advantage of a porous Minnesota defense, everything seemed to be, all right, this is the Michigan spread offense that we have heard about for a couple of years and haven't seen when it was under Shea Patterson. But now Joe Milton looked to be in control, very comfortable, and that was going to be. They have lost three straight games. The defense and that inexperienced secondary is being exploited. They have lost Aiden Hutchinson. Quiddy Pay did not play on Saturday night against Wisconsin. That defense is really struggling, and they allow teams to be physical and dominant in the trenches at the line of scrimmage and really exert their influence throughout the entirety of the game. This Michigan team, I said from the jump, Jay, and I'm a little bit mad at myself for going back on a little bit. I said just based on the schedule, this was a four-win Michigan team because they have the hardest schedule in all the Big Ten Conference and playing a Big Ten-only season was going to make this talented yet very young roster get exploited at times. And we would see some of those issues and question marks that we've seen throughout the season. And then after week one, when they looked so good against Minnesota, I said, you know what? I've been too harsh on Michigan. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and no. I should have stuck to my guns. Michigan is very, very bad this season, and I should have believed in myself and believed in my takes to start out the year because now they're one and three. And what is the motivation again for this Michigan team? And it all the questions because Jim Harbaugh moves the needle and he, because he's one of the preeminent voices in all of college football, especially the big 10 conference. A lot of the questions surrounding him will be is Jim Harbaugh's job in jeopardy. I think practically no, because of what we've seen in the year 2020 in a global pandemic and all the athletic departments have had to deal with to fire a head coach, to deal with those big buyouts and to have all of that be a part of your athletic department moving forward. That is a big thing to do after 2020, but we've seen it already on the national landscape. Will Muschamp from South Carolina mm -hmm. parting ways. He is no longer their head coach. That's like a $21 million buyout. Could that set a precedent for Michigan? I still don't think so, but it's out there. And it's at least a part of the national conversation now surrounding head coaching jobs in this year, 2020, I would be more shocked if Michigan fired Jim Harbaugh. I would not be surprised if Jim Harbaugh, the weird guy that he is, just was like, you know what? It's been a good run. It's not working out here. I'm going to head off. And we hear a mutually parted ways agreement. So that's where I stand on Michigan. That's where I stand on Penn State to see how far they've come down to the bottom of the Big Ten East is wild. I did not expect that. I still expect Michigan to be competitive and be winning four games this year. I thought Penn State's only loss heading into the year was going to be week two against Ohio State. But it's been anything but for these two programs that we can that we consider some of the story programs in the Big Ten East. They have done the complete 180 flip throughout this Big Ten season. Many of you listening to my voice right now may have a love or infatuation with energy drinks, Monster, Red Bulls, things of that nature. Well, throw those away. Forget them. I have the perfect thing to replace that sugary drink with. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Your golf bag to power through the back nine. Or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Build Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, that is L-O-C-K-E-D, and you will get 20% off 
your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. They have, and I want to make one comment about Harbaugh quickly. Well, no, you mentioned it, though. You mentioned it about the COVID season, the buyouts. We see Will Muschamp. I think at some point with Harbaugh, this is what I was going to say. That just The thought just came back into my mind. I wonder if he is a better quarterback coach or offensive coordinator than head coach. Because we've seen it sometimes, guys, in the NFL or in college, they're better as a specialist focusing on one thing than being the guy that controls the entire operation. You're not just a head coach in, in college. You're a recruiter. You got to deal with parents. You got to deal with boosters. You got to make appearances. I don't know if Harbaugh's that guy. Now, granted, at Stanford, he had success. San Diego State, he had success. But he was only there for four years. San Francisco, four years, I believe, in the 49ers. He's been at Michigan. This is his sixth season. And I wonder if he's a better coordinator or specialist quarterback coach that type of realm than head coach. But I just don't know. We've never seen it. All we know is Harbaugh eventually, everybody gets tired of him. They stop listening to him. And then the things are over. I, ben, I'm going to turn this over to you real quickly. Got about five minutes left. I know we haven't talked during the season. If you got a couple questions you want to throw at me as far as Ohio State, I know it's kind of spur of the moment. But if you have something you want to throw at me as far as the Buckeyes, the play so far, looking ahead this week, it doesn't matter. Throw it at me, man. I'm ready. I want to hear your take on this upcoming week five showdown against Indiana, because like we mentioned, a battle of unbeatens, nine versus three, a top 10 tilt. However, Ohio State, a 21 point favorite from the perspective of a Buckeye. Are you worried at all about what Indiana presents for this week? Okay, I'm going to say yes and no. I do believe I, I know it's Monday. We're recording this what's going on on Tuesday. I'm going to say that now on the show, but I do believe the Buckeyes will win. But I say I am not worried about the Buckeyes, that they'll be fine. I believe Justin Fields, the offensive line, and utilize this extra time, this unexpected bye week, as I've called it here on the show, to help them and get them to get their mind right. Because offensively on the old line, right guard, center, left guard, there's been some type of issue there via the run game, even in the passing game. There's been some times where Fields has been under pressure when he shouldn't be. Wyatt Davis, first round potential first-round pick. Josh Myers, Harry Miller. Harry Miller, new position. But you would think at some point they would figure it out. I think the communication has been off. And so you've seen some issues there on the three interior offensive linemen. I think the I think the extra time off actually aided those three to watch more film and to kind of relax their mind and say, hey, we know we made mistakes previously. We can get better. I think the running game of the Buckeyes will get better. Here's where I get nervous. I don't think the Buckeyes will lose the game. But you mentioned Michael Penix, Watt Fillier, Ty Freifogel, Peyton Hendershot. We saw that against Penn State, the Buckeyes defended uh, Pat Firemuth very, very well. Was, I was actually astonished and amazed at how, how well they guarded Firemuth. The problem is with me, the secondary of the Buckeyes has been a, I won't say a, a somewhat of a, a liability, but it's not a liability where they're getting exposed and, and gashed. The Buckeyes are, too, are so good up front in the front seven that the issues in the back half of the secondary, they don't really get exposed like that. But missing Maryland, where Maryland had a good passing attack, a good offense that can move the ball, either running the ball or in the air, that would have been a good test to have little Tungavailoa before going up against Penix Jr., two guys that have a similar skill set a little bit. I think Tungavailoa may be a slight bit better, which says a lot about him, and as good as Penix Jr. has played at times. I think the secondary, the issues that they, that they have had, there will be a moment during this game on Saturday that those will be exposed Sean Wade even talked about there are times where he's gone for an interception instead of knocking the ball down, getting a pass breakup, those type of details. I think offensively, they'll be fine. The, the Hoosiers, they do try to get the ball. You mentioned the turnovers earlier. 
I don't see the I don't see the Buckeyes really turn the ball over offensively. But I think the defense, once they stop the run, once they make the Hoosiers one-dimensional, I'm curious, Ben, to see exactly how the secondary bounces back or the Buckeyes, because at times, even against lesser quarterbacks, Sean Clifford being one of them, they have they have shown that that is a, an area that, he's, that they need to improve on. I also believe that Ohio State, with the week off, will come out on a warpath on Saturday and try to put up as many points as they possibly can against IU to impress the college football playoff committee. Because now, even in a shortened season when they were only guaranteed eight regular season games, I thought they would do the same. And now you take one game away from them. And how weird 2020 has been, I expect the Buckeyes to try to put on a show to bolster that resume if anybody has any doubts at the CFP level. Do you expect the same, Jay? Yes, sir. Interesting you said that because I have mentioned that numerous times here on the podcast. I know after the, the Nebraska game, Ryan Day came out and apologized to Scott Frost. I, I get it, man. I get it. You're back with quarterback scored in, in the red zone of all things. It's like he ran for 50 yards. He right. scored in the red zone. You apologize to Scott Frost for scoring. I get it. But I have said over and over and over again, haven't used this phrase. I'm, I'm going to use it now. Go back to the BCS era. That computer rewarded you for style points for winning big, for winning huge. Now you have humans pull their emotions. And I said, at the end of the season, you did it a little bit today, but not in the same way that they'll do it at the end of the season. They're going to look at strength of record, strength of, strength of schedule, margin of victory. How many, uh, are you first in offense, second in offense? They're going to look at the big picture because a lot of them are not going to watch every second of every game that Ohio State has played. So yes, I do expect at this point in time that, Indiana, Ryan Day will say, look, I know I've been a nice guy before. We just lost a game against Maryland where it was going to kind of be not a statement game, but a game for us to improve. We have to run up the score. I think it was a game last year. I think they beat somebody 70 to 7 or 70 to 3. You may see that kind of onslaught this weekend. Indiana's defense is way better than advertised. Their offense is better. I wouldn't say that they're at the, nobody's going to say they're at the elite category, the Hoosiers are, but they do pose threats this week. Against Illinois, he may call the range off a little bit because Illinois is not Indiana. And I know Ohio State could, even though it's a rivalry game, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes could run the score very, very quickly. But this weekend, and I know for sure against Michigan, Michigan, because he he already said he wants to hang hang 100 on them, I do expect Ryan Day to run that score up a little bit. And I said earlier, and I'll close out with this, I do talk a lot, the Buckeyes could average – 50, 55 to 60 points a game on anybody in a season. Doesn't matter. That's how good they are. This is a point in the season, I believe, they start to turn the heat up on their opponents and say, look, we've been nice so far. You guys canceled a game on us, Maryland. I get it's COVID. But now it's our time to show the country how good we actually are. Notre Dame had their moment against Clemson. Alabama, we all know how the SEC has been for you. But now it's our time up here in the Midwest, in Big Ten country, to show everyone how good we actually are. I think that was a calling card right there. That was a beautiful (laughs) statement to end things off. And I'll just finish with this as well. Based on how we've seen this Big Ten season play out, the wins against Penn State, the presumable win against Michigan, might not mean as much in the eyes of the national level as it has in the past. So this game against Indiana, a top 10 matchup, will be very significant for Ohio State's college football playoff resume. Very true. The last game of the season, I said this earlier on Locked on Badgers with Asher Lowe, Let's just say Wisconsin wins this weekend. Ohio State wins out. They meet each other in Indianapolis. That game holds more weight. It'll be looked at way bigger than I think people looked at preseason. Wisconsin, you can't sleep over them. You can't walk over them. That is a good football team, Ben. 
Thank you so much for coming back on Locked on Buckeyes. If you could, let people know where they can connect with you via social media and where they can catch your show. Follow me personally at Ben Scott Stevens on Twitter, also at Big Ten Ben on TikTok. That's something I do now, Jay. I got into the TikTok game. Regardless, diving headfirst in this Big Ten football season, trying to put out funny, enjoyable, relatable content that everybody can love and interact with and all that good stuff throughout the Big Ten season to keep you updated on your favorite conference. And that's what we do each and every weekday on Locked On Big Ten as well. Your favorite conference, the Big Ten Conference, the most glorious conference in all the country each and every day. So Jay, it was a pleasure to be on Locked On Buckeyes. I love connecting the Locked On Podcast Network's Big Ten community. So thank you for having me on your show. And that's all she wrote. Want to thank Big Ten Ben for coming on once again and for you to coming back again to enjoy and listen to another episode of Locked On Buckeyes. Remember, come back tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We turn the page, begin to get prepared for the upcoming matchup against the Indiana Hoosiers. You can always follow me on Twitter, at jsteven07. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Locked on Buckeye. Five-star reviews, five-star reviews. Fill them up. Fill the review section up with five-star reviews on Apple. Other places you can enjoy the podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just to name a few places. You can download, listen, and enjoy Locked on Buckeyes every Monday through Friday, five days a week. Tomorrow, we have Zach Osterman, of the Indianapolis Star, a beat writer. He covers Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers athletic program, and he'll be coming on helping us really get to know the football program in the best way that we can. Have a great day, guys. I will see you tomorrow.